working on up here. I'm still, we're looking and getting a new one to update. So I'm hoping eventually I'll be able to control more from up here. Uh, the whole process is that little by little we'll move forward. <clears throat> but we want to talk about that second beast a little bit more and um, explore. And I'm going to give you something to think about and because some of us are going to be on the historical side. We won't devil too much in that today, but next week we'll look a little bit more into it. Now, the Lord tells us in the end times that it would be like in the days of Noah. And that's an area in which we have to recognize also. That it's going to be in the days of Noah. Or like Noah, he says. The days would be like. That they'll be given in marriage and they'll be having their parties and they'll be moving on. And jump way ahead here somehow. Bear with me a little bit this morning. Uh, that it would be like in the days of Noah. And we would say, well, what are those days going to be like other than marrying and partying? In Matthew 24, 38, he gives us a little bit of it. There are going to be people who are eating, drinking, married. What's going on? But the second beast in Revelation has to have a society in which he can direct his work, in which he can perform, in which he can build up. It's not going to happen just in an overnight instant. So something has to be set in place. And we know that the Antichrist, and he's there, and there's that great falling away from the church. Now understand, just because there's a great falling away from the church, in itself would not be a system for the second beast to set up its rule. But what it does, the great falling away says... There are already people with a religious mind that wants to worship something. They don't know what they really want to worship. And it may be that in their mind they've already made up, well, it's not Jesus Christ. So the second beast will point them to the first beast to worship. But in them, there's that desire to worship. That's one thing in man that God placed in. That man will worship something even if he worships himself. He will worship something. Now, just again, again, just because there's a great falling away, doesn't give the second beast... A lot to work with. There has to be an educational system. There has to be a society, a community. has to be something that is built in order for him to function. 
Go there with me to Revelations chapter 13. Then we're going to jump from 13 to 17 because between 13 and 17 is the plagues and so forth and what God is doing. And what happens in Revelation sometime, you're looking at this, then you look at God at, then it's back to what the enemy's doing again. And sometimes you have to take it back. And what we're going to do is jump to 17 here in a moment. We're going to look at 16 and 17. But it says in verse 11, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast. We went through that last week. He takes on all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. Now, understand that word made. He's forced. He's forcing them. The thing is now, what kind of mechanism, what type of society, what type of system is set in place now that allows him to force this upon people? That's what you have to think of. He says now, it's forced upon them. It's something that they have no control, but he is the cause of it. He is the one that forces them. To accept the mark of the beast. He's the one who begins to do what he's going to do. But he got again, again, he has to have a system that allows him to do it. It goes on, he says, And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven. So he acts like the great prophets of old. He's able to cause fire to come down. He's able to bring miracles and so forth. People get caught up with miracles. Miracles will not save us. He goes on a little further. He says, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast. He deceived the inhabitants of the earth. So somehow there's a deception that is set up in society, in the school system, in philosophy, in our overall system. There's a philosophy, and understand philosophy here is nothing but a way of behavior. There's a philosophy now that is being taught over a period of time in which people then take on as their own. So we hear even a younger generation saying, oh, that's what happened in the old days. That's what's happened in your generation. We got something new happening now. And each generation somewhat gets its own little thinking, its own little philosophy, its own little process. In which they say they're going to live. And yet life never really changes much. He goes on from there and he says, <clears throat> He ordained them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Now, again, he sets up this beast because, remember, men want to worship. They've already been trained to worship. They want to worship something. Here's this great falling away from the church even. They're going to want to worship something. He sets something up for men to worship. And it says, and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast. 
that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Now, what kind of society is set up that will allow mass killings to take place? You have to understand, as we go through this, something has to be set up, something has to be changed from what we know presently, even though it comes in very subtly, that will allow the people to act and behave in such a manner. And look at what's happening today. We go by all these killings that take place. We're shocked just for a moment, and then we're what? We're back to everyday living. We hear about mass killings around the world, but then we talk about it for a moment, then we're back to everyday living. In one way, we're being conditioned to accept killings, whether they're mass or they're one, but to accept it, but just get on with living. He goes on and he says, the image to be killed, he also forced everyone, small and great, look at the authority that he has now. He has the authority of those who are small and great, kings, governors, presidents, He's going to be in control of. Small and great. Rich and poor. Free and slave. To receive a mark on his right hand or on the forehead. Now we already know those who are, boy, religious and want to worship something. They're going to take the mark. Others, they're going to be forced to take the mark if they want to exist in a sense. If they want to eat. If they want to have material things. They're going to have to take a mark. So the whole process now is conditioning a society for such a time. He says, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, The second beast will be able to offer, and this is what you have to be able to understand. He's going to control all commerce. He's going to control all finances. We live in a financial world. We don't do anything for money and for riches. Oftentimes we blame women for playboys, but the money wasn't there. We wouldn't see the nakedness. We just about do anything for fame and wealth. And that's been conditioned in us for some time. We'll just about step on anybody, hurt anybody to elevate ourselves or get a position that we think we want in the company. It don't matter about anybody else. We'll step on them. We'll lie on them. We'll talk about their work, everything else, while at the same time joking and laughing and smiling at them, but not knowing five minutes ago I was tearing your work ethics and your work and your product down in front of the supervisor. We've been conditioned that way. He will control the work and the payroll. 
In other words, you don't have the mark, you don't have a job. You don't have a job, you don't get a paycheck. You don't get a paycheck, then what are you going to rely on? Because, see, you can't get any public assistance without the mark. In one way, we've already conditioned a whole generation of people that with a number. Without a certain number, you don't get certain help. All payments made to individuals, he will be able to know. Right now, government tracks all of your payments to all your institutions. When my father passed, and one of the ways that we could disperse his wealth, when I talked with the bank, as long as I didn't go over $10,000 in writing checks to my brothers and sisters, the government did not have to be notified. If I took $10,000 out of his funds to disperse it, they had to notify the government. So I dispersed 9000 something at a time to my brothers and sisters for over about a three, four month period that I could disperse his funds to them. But anytime you move $10,000, the bank has to let the government know it. So in a lot of ways, we're already being tracked. If they can track 10000 they can track one. <laughs> hey. All loans will be approved by him, the beast. So we're still going to be borrowing money. We're still going to be doing things. But he's controlling the economical part of the world. And most of us do have to borrow at some point, sometime. But he will control who will be able to get a mortgage, who will be able to buy a car, who will be able to get the education. Now understand, the most three expensive things right now is mortgage, is house, is car, is second, then your education comes in third. There are young people who are no problem running up $180,000 worth of student loans. I think the average student loan, they said, somewhere between eighty to 95000 That money has to be paid back. But guess what? It's being tracked. And even with Reagan, the law passed, if it's not paid by time, it's time for you to draw Social Security in retirement, they have the right to take up to two-thirds of your Social Security. So government said, you're going to pay me back one way or another. <laughs> hey. He will control even the credit card. And you catch Congress today, more laws are being passed about credit cards. He will control all commerce and trade in the world. He's going to control it. People accept the mark. This is what's offered to them. Protection. If you accept it, then we'll protect you. We'll protect you. Uh, you're in a large family now. World family. And you'll be protected for a moment, for a little while. 
if you accept the mark, you can receive the material needs that you have. If you need shelter, you need food, you need clothing, you need cars, you need this, you need that. Those things will be provided for you. It will allow a person to be part of a worldwide family that is able to enjoy life for a moment. For a moment. Without the fear of punishment for the sin that is committed. So you've got to live in a type of society <clears throat> where sin is able to run rapid be immoral as you want to be with no consequences with the God that you're worshiping. Has there ever been such a system? Has there ever been such a government? People will have the mark that shows their acceptance of the beast. The first beast that they're willing to worship. So the mark will say, yes, I'm a worshiper of the first beast. It would identify you as a worshiper of the first beast when you take the mark. When you take the mark, not only then are you identifying that you're going to worship and buy into the religious aspect of the first beast, but that you're also going to tie into the false prophet and his political system that is being set up that will also be then controlled totally by the first beast, a political system. So therefore you have really a marriage. Our government was set up with a way of a cooperation between state and religion. There is no such law as separation of church and state. There's a philosophy, but not a law. You cannot find it in the Constitution. A separation of church and state. But there's a philosophy that has been imposed upon the people of a separation of church and state. And we try to function that way. Where the political and the religious is going to be tied together. And very supportive of one another. When you take the mark, you said you accept the religion and the political system that is in place. Now, <clears throat> the thing we have to discover is what kind of system works that way. And have we seen it in the past historically? I think God gives us a hint when he says, like in the days of Noah. But then I think in Revelation he just brings it out when he says Babylon. Babylon. Um, 
based on the very fact that Babylon, everybody takes Babylon as basically being the first major society that all societies follow. Out of Babylon came out of their rules that all men are considered innocent until they are proven guilty. (laughs) Out of Babylon came that if you are being accused of a crime, you have a right to face your accuser. Many of our laws that we even follow today are legal laws in our court system come from Babylon. Something. Now, Noah is not found in Revelation. You can't find Noah. But it says it would be like in the days of Noah. Now, how close can we get to Noah? Noah's great-grandson, Nimrod. Nimrod. And his wife, Semiramis. Nimrod sets up the government. Semiramis sets up the religious issue. History tells us Semiramis became pregnant by a sun ray. Not by a man. So even back then now, we're talking about what? A virgin birth. Her son grew into manhood. But while out hunting, was killed by a boar. She wept and she mourned for 40 days. And after 40 days, he came back to life. And he was resurrected. And the thing is now, he becomes like Christ in that resurrection. But from that comes this great religion that follows. Like the great religion that followed who? Jesus Christ from the resurrection. You won't find her anywhere in the Bible, but you'll find her in history. You find her in the Bible in Jeremiah in this title, the Queen of Heaven. The Queen of Heaven. And we're going to look at her when we look at Jeremiah in the latter part to see what she offered the people and see if it's close to what's taking place in Revelations then with the second beast. When you look at Nimrod, go with me to Genesis chapter 10. Nimrod chapter 10. 
I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 10. Verses 8 and 10. Cush was the father of Nimrod. Cush was one of the sons of Noah. Cush was the father of Nimrod, who grew up to be a mighty warrior on the earth. A mighty warrior on the earth. Now, there's a difference between Esau. Esau was known as a mighty hunter, a hunter of animals. When you follow this over in the historical part of Nimrod as a mighty warrior, it's a warrior of men's souls. It's a warrior of men's lights. We are being forced to take the mark. So it's got to be a system that is set up similar to Babylon that forced people into doing or you are killed or you lose your life. So we have somewhat a similar government set up already in history. And therefore, in Revelations, we hear the Lord talk about this great Babylon, this prostitute, this harlot. And it says, Cush was the father of Nimrod, who grew up to be a mighty warrior on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That is why... It said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, the first center of his kingdom were Babylon. Babylon. The first center of his kingdom. Babylon. Go all the way back to Revelations chapter 16 with me. Before you get to 17, to give you a little bit about Babylon, he tells you about even the destruction of Babylon that will take place. Because from 14, you have the 144,000, then you have the plagues that come in and so forth, in between God's judgment that begins to take place. But when you get over to 16, look at verse 19. The great city split into three parts, and the city of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the Great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of his fury, of his wrath. He's going to destroy it. Now, come on over into 17 with me. Read down with me. Starting in verse 1. One of the seven angels who had the seven bows came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute. Again, Babylon. As we get into more of the history next, next week of Babylon, you will see that Babylon was immoral. And you will see that the beauty of Samiramis, she was a harlot, she was a prostitute, even though she's married to the king, a very loose woman. <laughs> But yet a very beautiful woman. She is the one with the statue with all the breasts when you look at ancient drawings and sometimes the Bible. Depicting her. The fertility of life in a sense. But he says, come I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. With her the king of the earth committed adultery and inhabitants of the earth are intoxicated with the wine of her adultery. So, so look at the society that is now set up. Now, 
Just jump over. Don't move from verse 2. She commits adultery. The inhabitants of the earth are intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Now come on over into verse 13 because it says, boy, that she sat on many waters. Look at verse 15 because it explains what it is saying there. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw were the prostitutes. Suits are who? Peoples, multitudes, nations, and language. So right there he's explaining what he means by waters and so forth. These are actual people and nations and language that are going to be involved in all these adulteries and prostitutional type acts and so forth. The immoralness. Now our country is moving so quickly towards immoral acts that when we see TV even, it doesn't much bother us anymore if somebody's naked. It's not bothering us anymore if two men are kissing or two women are kissing. It's not bothering us anymore that every other scene takes you to the bedroom. It doesn't bother us anymore because what is he doing? He's dulling our senses. And what you see, eventually, you want to act out. So here's Babylon slowly being set up. And he says, with her, the kings of the earth commit adultery. Now now just think with me for a moment. How many of our high-powered political individuals from Presidents, senators, representatives, prime ministers overseas, France. You can just start going around the world that have been in immoral, indecent relationships. Even though many of them, the superintendent, I think up in, I forget the area, he was just tried, got 17 years for pornography. And the only thing he could sit and say, I destroyed myself. Because that's literally what happens. When you get involved in all that filth, you destroy yourself. You destroy yourself. Now, come on down a little bit further with me. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold and precious stones and pearls. She held a gold cup in her hand filled with abominable things that are going to affect the people. Babylon was an abominable Nation. Assyria, in which God sent. Who did he send to Assyria? The one in the fish, the one in the big well. Remember him? He didn't want to go. Give me his name because I can't call his name right now. Who? Jonah. Know all the actions, but can't get the name. And yet, he sends them there 
to share the message. And they repented. Oh, wow. But all the filth that was going on. Remember, Babylon is the capital of Assyria. They wasn't Assyria at that time per se because, see, the thing about Nimrod, when you follow him through the scripture, a mighty warrior, he captures the land of Assyria. He captured all the little land and he builds his kingdom. Go to me to, well, I better finish out right here first before we move. It says, the, the woman, in verse 4, the woman was dressed in purple scarlet, glittering with gold, precious stones, pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand, filled with abominable things, and the filth of her adulteries. The title was written on her forehead, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes, and the abomination of the earth. Let's move a little quick here. The next five minutes. Go to Genesis with me. I'm, I'm sorry. Go to uh, First Chronicles one ten. First Chronicles one ten. Cush was the father of Nimrod, who grew to be a mighty warrior on earth. A mighty warrior on earth. He's forming his nation. He's forming his political background. He's conquering people. He's forcing people. He's making people. He's causing people to become part of his system. Same thing that's taking place now in Revelation. With the beast when it said he was made. But God have a system. What's the system? A Babylonian type system. Go with me to Genesis 11. Back to Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As they moved eastward and found a plain in Shinar. Now that's the Hebrew word for Babylonia. Babylonia is the Greek word. Shinar is the Hebrew word. And he says, and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now, come back up with me into chapter 10. It says that the first center of Nimrod was Babylon. Then when you get into verse 11, it says... From that land he went to Assyria, where he built, what? Nineveh. Where he built Nineveh. So he, there was Babylon, he's going on, he's conquering, he's building Nineveh, he's building a government. Again, great Babylon is, is building and doing and killing and doing. 
in Revelation. Babylon the Great. Babylon the Great comes in two areas. The political, which is Nimrod. Then the religious part, that is his wife. You following me? Hey. Now, go with me real quick. We're going to jump a little bit. Go to Jeremiah seventeen eighteen. Then we'll pick up next week after we read uh, 44, 15 through 23. Go to Jeremiah 17. So Myrmith, the name becomes the queen of heaven for her. Now she picks up many different names down through history. You have to study her out to begin to put all her names in different parts of history. But the thing that follows is the same philosophy, the same basic principles. So in Jeremiah seventeen eighteen, it, it says, let me get there. I have not run away from being your shepherd. You know I have not. Nope, nope, wrong one. Let my persecutors be put to shame, but keep me from shame. Seven eighteen. Let my persecutors be put to shame, but keep me from shame. Let them be terrified, but keep me from terror. Bring on them the day of disaster. Destroy them with doubt and destruction. This is what the Lord said to me. Go and stand at the gate of the people through which the kings of Judah go and out. Go in and out. And also at all the other gates of Jerusalem. Say to them, hear the words of the Lord, O King Judah and the people of Judah and everyone living in Jerusalem who has come through these gates. This is what the Lord says. Be careful not to carry a load on the Sabbath day. Jeremiah speaking. Okay, go to Jeremiah 44 with me. I have to go back on that one. Is it 718? Um, what did I put? 17? 17. Go to, let me go. Let me see here. Yes, the queen of heaven. The children gather wood. The fathers light the fire. And the women kneel knead the dough and make cakes of bread for the queen of heaven. They pour out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. But am I the one they are provoking, declares the Lord? Are they not rather harming themselves? But what I want you to catch there, the queen of what? 
Now, follow with me again. Go to Jeremiah 44. Pick up with me verse 15. Then all the men who knew that their wives were burning incense to other gods, along with all the women who were present, a large assembly, and all the people living in lower and upper Egypt, said to Jeremiah, We will not listen to the message you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord. We have certainly we will certainly do everything we said we would. We will burn incense to the queen of heaven and will pour out drink offerings to her, just as we and our fathers, our kings and our officials did in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. At that time, we had plenty of what? And we're well off. And suffered no harm. They had plenty of food. Well off. Suffered no harm. The second beast will offer you plenty of food. Protection. No harm. The system being set up. And look what it says in verse 14. But ever since we stopped burning incense to the queen of heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, we have had nothing and have been perishing by the sword. Why would you be perishing by the sword? You perish by the sword of Nimrod because you will not accept the authority of the beast nor worship the first beast. And he says, we have had nothing and have been perishing by the sword of the family. The woman added, when we burn incense to the queen of heaven and pour out drink offerings to her, did not our husbands know that we were making cakes like her image and pouring out drink offerings to her? Then Jeremiah said to all the people, both men and women, who were answering him, did not the Lord remember and think, and remember what we just read in Revelation, the Lord remembered the great what? The great city of Babylon. What was happening in that great city of Babylon was all false religion. Plus, if you study Babylon, you begin to understand all astrology comes out of Babylon. For Nimrod was the first to set up a system of stargazers. When you get to study in the tower, the, st- the tower was a system that was saying to God and rebelling against God. And you read that text in Genesis 11, it said the people were saying, we won't be scattered. Then when you come down a little further, it says God scatters them. He mixes up their language and he scatters them. Their goal was to stay together, be one group. And the tower was for this purpose. If another flood come, 
will be higher than the waters. Man trying to protect himself from God's punishment of sin. And man today is still trying to protect himself from the punishment of God for their sins. And Babylon in Revelation offers that. You can be the prostitute and the adulteress and all kind of immoral acts and you're okay because that's part of the system. With no answers to God. And he says, that queen of heaven, that queen of heaven. If you just go to the dictionary and look up the names, Semiramis, you will find that it goes back to Babylon. In Western dictionary or any dictionary. And then you got to begin to pick up the study of Babylon from a historical. If you don't have the book, The Two Babylons, it can be rough reading, but it's worth reading. Hey. We'll stop there because we want to be on time for baptism and so forth. Somebody ready to jump in some cold water. I can see the smile. See? 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 We just make it for that when you go in the water, you do a little. 